want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. Everybody, how is everybody doing today? Kevin, you're not bringing energy. How is everybody doing today? That's what I'm talking about. Is that better? Yeah, it is way better. No, okay. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You're you're acting like it's 92 degrees at 10 a.m. and too hot to exist. Um, is it? Is it 92? It's so hot. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's and you you know where you live, it's a little bit hotter than where I live. So yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and a Mike. I'm Gerardo Munoz, and I am Kevin Adams. He is Kevin Adams. He is the once and future Kevin Adams and present yeah. Kevin Adams. The, the, yes. Um, Kev and I are here. We are merely two public school educators um, in the city of Denver, trying to remix this conversation on race, power, and education. Um, yo, if you are just tuning into us, what have you been doing? Like, who are you yes. listening to? Like, come on, come on, what are you doing? Like, Jesus and Merrill are done. So, like, what? Are Rest you, in peace. Really, what are we doing? We, we are, our guest is really surprised at this development. So we're going to have to, uh, right here. So, yeah. So someone's going to have to step into the void and who better than us, right? Who better That's than right. us? That's right. Um, however, if you, if you are new, yo, Franz, is that, is that the man? Franz, Franz is making noise. Yes. yes. What's up, Franz? There's um, a dog walking by outside. Yeah. Somewhere in the universe. Right. Um, so we are here. Uh, if you, if you're discovering us for the first time, you can follow us on all social media platforms at two dope teachers, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us if you would like, uh, I don't know what you're going to email us. Um, you know, flowers, feedback, gift cards, whatever, two dope teachers at gmail.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify and Apple, um, and more platforms soon to come. Finally, if you want to support uh, grassroots black and brown created media. You can go to patreon.com slash two dope teachers where for $15 a month, what do the people get Kev? They get a sticker from the great and wonderful sham. That's right. Sham shout out sham sham's blown up. I know you don't do social media at all, but, um, but, but sham's blown up a little bit. In fact, um, we don't, we don't have uh, we're not a video podcast at this moment, but the background Kevin is using is the sticker that you get. And it's pretty that's cool. right. That's well, right. yo, I- I'm super excited because I'm going to, I'm going to give her a chance to, to turn on her mic because we have, an amazing okay. guest for track. A returning, a returning guest. Returning friend of the pod. Guest, back to friend of the pod. FOP. The, the forever 2021 National Teacher of the Year um, and the homegirl, Juliana Urtube. What's up, Juli? Woo! Hi. The little peas back in the pod. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like what you did there. I was like, it's no, good what? to be back. That's good. It is so great to have you. Welcome to the Summer Revolution Mixtape 2022. Kevin, tell the people what the Summer Revolution Mixtape is. It is the in following in the mixtape tradition of hip hop. We we strive to bring to you, you know, the dopest, freshest, 
new tracks, you know, stuff that you might not find everywhere else that you go. They, you know, this is going to be, you know, as they say, the song of the summer, the pot of the summer, right? And so that is the mixtape. And, and, and following the tradition, we just bring you lots of different voices uh, doing dope things. And we thought that it was a great time to bring Juliana back to the podcast. Absolutely. I know I'm probably not supposed to say this, but you are so adorable. You are so cute. <laughs> and I just love being immersed in this joy of Aww. what it is to me and te- being a teacher with you all. Like, I just, I love it. This is, this is, this is it. Yo, everybody just like, no, include that in your ratings and reviews that we are adorable. Um, there we go. I think, Kevin, I think, I do think you're adorable. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. That's what I strive for. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we don't have enough black men that are described as adorable, right? <laughs> so like, and you describe black men all sorts of other ways. That That's right. And adorable needs to be one of those ways. Uh, well, thank you, Huli. Um, it, it's, it's so, it's amazing to have you back. And folks, um, it, this is just like track, track four is, you know, is, is going to be amazing. Um, if you haven't listened to the mixtape yet, you can catch Elena Aguilar in uh, track one, our collab with Rodney Robinson and Sean Sheehan for track two, and the inimitable uh, Lee Perez in track three, Nebraska Teacher of the Year for 2022. And now we're up here on track four. So Juli, how is, how is life? How is La Vida right now? La Vida is moving and shaking. It's good, it's good. I am trying to follow my own advice. Um, some of the last keynotes that I gave uh, transitioning teachers into the summer were about resting and reflecting, like that the work is about reflecting of our impact, um, reflecting on the beautiful moments, uh, reflecting on how to transform the challenging moments into things that will sustain our practice, but then also balancing that with a whole lot of rest. And I'm trying to follow my own advice and I would give myself a solid plus for okay. my ability to actually rest but the, there's growth there's growth in that yeah I knew it wasn't going to be your ability to reflect and think about you know how to make the best impact I knew that wasn't the part you needed to work on <laughs> um no to that point like I've, I've started to get to a point where um where I'm forgiving myself for napping I used to like feel guilty follow you know taking a nap and now I'm just like, I was going to lay down right here. Now, now I get full Mexican dad mode. Like I'll be sitting at the table. And I'll just be like, <laughs> that's what we do. That's, that's what we do. It. And it's that's good. It. Um, but that, that is such an important point, especially after these last three summers, um, the way things have been going. You know, you had this, in, this incredible message. And, and, you know, I think it was sort of lost on me at the moment. And then as I went through the year with you and started to really observe how you stood out against the backdrop of all of all the chaos in education over the last couple of years, what I realized is this idea of a joyful and just education was really radical. Um, what? How has that journey been? Because I, you know, as, as teachers of the year, we're all asked to have some type of a message or something that we that we sort of say. Um, and I know that you grow into it over time. So how have you grown into this idea of a joyful and just ed- or joyous and just education? And um, for those who maybe don't know you as well, and who may be saying, how do we be joyful now? Like what? Joyful? Jo- like what? There's no joy. Joy, no joy and education? and justice like come the on justice now. yeah i mean those are words right but how do you frame that for folks um as you as you interact in communities of teachers where to begin where to begin on this yeah question? i know we're leaning right into it <laughs> you know i think that this has been something that's always been on my lap as an educator right um i often share my own story about my upbringing and and in my experiences in education and and how it was impossible for me experiencing so much joy in my home. Meaning, you know, we came from Colombia, a country that was facing a lot of violence, yet Colombian people are knowing, known for Colombia. Their joy, which our independence is creeping up very I know I was celebrate. gonna oh you spoil it <laughs> so let me tell you though the the Arizona the Colombians in Arizona where I'm at right now they're throwing me a party well 
they're throwing Colombia party. <laughs> <and I'm, laughs> go ahead and claim it. Claim it. You know what? That's similar <laughs> to the the Mexicanos in Denver are going to throw a party on September 16th for me. It's going <laughs> to be go. great. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But let me tell you something. If I can divert us a little bit, because yes. um, this is what I do. It is such an honor this year. We just had elections in Colombia. Our yes. new vice president, her name is Franta Marquez. If you don't know who she is, Google her. Google her. Listen to her talk. Um, and her whole campaign was Vivir Sabroso, which is to live with Sabrosura, which is like mm. the, oh, the spice, the feeling, the the taste, the, the vivaciousness of life, right? And so when I saw that, I cried. I literally cried. I cry yeah. often, but I cried out of joy because that's it. This is a woman whose land was taken by paramilitary. Yep. This is a woman who had a child very young. This mm -hmm. is a woman who became an environmental activist in her teens. This is a woman who became a lawyer. And this is a woman who is now the first black vice president of Colombia. Right. So it's like I, there's things to celebrate. Yes. And so I think that that helps me center this idea of joy. Right. I um, know how transformational joy can be. I work with students with learning and thinking differences. They don't experience a whole lot of joy in their upbringing, in their I'm sorry, in their schooling. Um, and I was working with third, fourth and fifth graders who didn't know their vowel sounds and yet were expected to read on grade level as if the expectation was gonna be the reality. Yeah. Yep. But they didn't love to read. So why would, you, why would you read if you don't love to read? So it was my job to figure out a pathway for their brilliance to connect to their abilities. And that's what I love about being a special education student uh, or teacher. I probably yep. am one to myself, but <laughs> teacher. And I got to just really individualize learning. Who are you, who are you as a human being? What brings you joy? How can I catapult your joy how can I um build off of that joy and then I realized that you know being the kind of teacher that I was I only worked in schools that are quote unquote title one quote unquote you know the majority are English language learners you know list the deficits yeah throw them on the backs of teachers yep. and boom there we go but those are the only kinds of schools that I ever worked in because those are the only kind of schools I ever felt at home in right mm -hmm. Um, and the purpose was there. But then I very quickly realized that those were the schools that didn't have colored pencils. That's right. Because not only just because of resources, but because of this push to teach to the test, to do well, to, you know, and I felt like that was a dehumanizing factor. Yeah. And so for me, my charge was to bring joy and create joy and design for joy with my students. And there was no other way of doing it. We cannot sustain our practice unless we lead forward with humanity, right? And that's, that was one of the things you did with our class was you centered all of us using the language around humanizing pedagogy. And that's what it's about, right? So for the folks who feel like they don't have space or time for joy, um, I challenge you to flip it, to experience joy first and then tell me you can live without it, right? Um, I think when our students and ourselves as educators have seen some pretty ugly, harsh realities, um, we realize that in our classrooms, we can create the society that is joyous and just, even if outside of the, our classroom that society hasn't caught up yet. So I just, I just, for me, it's a conviction. It's not negotiable. It's, if I'm not able to teach with joy and justice then I'm not able to teach period. Um, and so, yeah, that message has, evolved and metamorphosized and yet I'm never tired talking about it yeah never tired talking about it I love it and I remember when we were working on the blog for the end of year thermos which was on July 1st um Sarah Brown Wesling our incredible leader in the 2010 national teacher of the year she was helping me with the title and the title was joyous and just education belongs to us all yep and that's the truth of it yeah, I read it so good. Like, it, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so interesting to kind of reflect back on that because um, over the course of the year, I mean, I, th I think that one of the things that all teachers, I think our cohort was a microcosm of what all teachers were experiencing, which was this nonstop apprehension, anxiety, uncertainty about what the next day was going to bring. I mean, Kev, you remember this, man. It's like, okay, so 
we think we're going back on this day, but actually we're not. We're going to go back in three weeks from this day. And then here are the protocols. And actually, we're not going to do those protocols. And you're going to take temperatures. Oh, but your little temperature check gun doesn't work. And there's all these different sort of things. And just like, and I and I think that was one of the things that we had to, as, as a profession, really try to navigate um, was that you just couldn't, you couldn't plan too far out for anything because the game could change immediately. Um, l- let me ask a really quick follow-up and then I'll hand it off to Kevin. So um, as, as we, as we think about this and, and thank you for shouting out uh, the humanized campaign uh, that was definitely inspired by my good friend. Um, oh, this is hilarious. Uh, who just texted me, my advisor at the university of Denver, Dr. Maria Salazar, who to my knowledge was the first person in academia to write about humanizing pedagogy back in 2013. Um, and uh, so that was an idea that I've just kind of run with it. And she's somebody who um, she talks about carrying her treasures with her um, wherever she goes, but how they were taken from her when she was little, when she was an immigrant in the United States. And so um we are at a time where where these hostilities towards teachers um, have have really ramped up, um, and especially in the last few months. So, what does it look like to fight with joy? Yeah, that's a question. That is the question. Um, yeah. You know, joy is not the absence of heartache, and it's not the absence of challenge. It's not the absence. It's not this idea that. I can only experience joy when um, the conditions are perfect. How would a whole country of people like Colombia be so happy if that were the case? Man, that's Um, that's surrealist. The truth is that joy comes because you know you have a community. You know who you are. You know that whatever is in front of you, you are going to face with equity, with dignity, with value, valor, but also collectively, right? That's joy. That's what I try to convey to teachers is that it's not just this goofy smile on your face, right? Like I lived this year and experienced all sorts of personal and professional challenges. And I had a smile on my face. And oftentimes people would say, "Hmm, how were you smiling? How did you make yourself smile through it? I wasn't making myself smiling, smile through it. I was genuinely passionate and proud and happy to be doing the work that we were doing, yeah. right? So um, how do we carry joy through challenge? Well, um, I think that one, it, you're, I think Kenardo, you're right. It is a radical belief that we all deserve and have the right to experience joy and justice. <clears throat> um, Yet maybe when I plant it or share it, it's not so radical because it's everybody's responsibility. We have this perception that radical politics or radical education is the work of few. What if it was the work of more, right? What if more people saw themselves reflected and said, here's the language. Here's the story for you to connect to. Here's here's what you need to know that there is no other alternative but the work of deep holistic equity, of liberation. There is no other way to have an education other than to experience liberation and autonomy. And present it as a reality. This is my reality, here it is, join us, right? And so that was my work. My work was to embrace all educators, even teachers who had never taught a student with special educational needs, a student, a teacher who had never taught a linguistically gifted child, um, a student who, or a teacher had never taught a first-generation immigrant, yet we all have the same charge, right? And my job this year was to figure out how am I, how am I going to embrace all teachers, and how am I going to um, be part of the person of the groups of people who are answering these questions? Yeah. How do we get through this? Yeah. How do our students get through this? Um, and it wasn't easy, but, but for me personally, anytime I felt drained, I'd always tap into my students' stories. I'd always give a mom and their child a call. You know, I always would look through my pictures and I would tap into that joy um, because that is the fuel. 
I love that. That's, I mean, that's, that's the truth. And, and, and I love this idea that everybody deserves a joyous, just education. Like, and because I'm always thinking, you know, in Denver, we see a lot of school reform and a lot of it is based in taking away the things that are joyous, right? It's like giving kid take away gym and PE for kids and give them an extra reading block or an extra math block or take away the right to express you. And it's usually with black and brown kids to express yourself through the way you dress, put you in a uniform, you know? And so I think that is so important. And I love this idea too, um, that you're talking about representing all these teachers and speaking for with and including them, this voice and community, because I think at times, you know, we are divided as teachers and we, and that's what we should, we all are there for those same reasons, those joyous moments. Um, and, and like you said, it's not all good. It's not all good. It's not always fun. Um, so we are lucky. Um, we, we get you, we have an exclusive with you. You, you this is the first interview that you've done since you've finalized your tenure as the 2021 teacher of the year. So as we look back, what are some wisdom and insights that you've gained from the past two years, especially the time that coincided with your term representing us? What are some of those things that uh, the big takeaways, the, you know, um, that you have gained from this process? I'm looking at Juliana's face and I feel like this is a, I feel like this is probably a multi-episode question. Um, You're like, okay, <laughs> let's go. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to put it out there publicly and hold myself accountable to it. I want to write a book. I'm going to write a book. Um, August 1st, I'm going to sit myself down and put on my noise-canceling headphones, and I'm going to start my book because oh. that's what I learned this year. Um, was that there were not only an incredible amount of things personally that I was going to learn um, and professionally as well, um, but that we reflect each other so much. Um, So let me kind of just let my mind go on answering this question. First and foremost, and I'm pretty open about this and I talk about it in a lot of my um, engagements is that I have a debilitating public speaking anxiety meaning that I break down and I will either do one of the three things, cry, freeze, or panic. Are those mutually exclusive? Like, because I feel like I feel like I can experience any two of those three at any given time. You know, what's funny. Like, I feel like there's so many teachers out there who say that they're like, I don't, uh -uh." they're like, I could talk all day in front of a room full of kids. They're like, "Uh uh-uh, put me in front of other adults. Can I just say that I'm not one of those teachers? <laughs> I have to be accountable, accountable to myself and all the people who have to endure me. I love to talk. It's why I'm on two podcasts. <laughs> and I love it, right? The funnest is when you get all three. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds yep. pretty amazing. <laughs> but I had to work through it. And part of it was this realization I have something to say. Yep. Mm. And maybe what I have to say is not being said enough and or many, many teachers are saying it and it needs to just be amplified and echoed. And I think it's a combination of both. Um, Here's the other thing that helped me a lot with my public speaking anxiety besides a lot of like mindfulness and and stuff like that um, was gaining confidence right? How many of us bring our unhealed self to the classroom and try to help students on their healing journey? But we ourselves are not healed. So I had quite a bit of that to do. And I did really proud. I did a lot of that. Here's the third thing. That's a kicker. I'm not exceptional. My story, my thoughts are not exceptional. I had the immense privilege of traveling this country and talking to so many teachers, realizing Every single teacher I talked to had an incredible story. And part of it was having a thought partner sit next to them and talk to them about it and make, help them realize how incredible their story was. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was on stage telling my story was not exceptional. I was one of many. And so it, la carga, the, the charge became different because it wasn't about me 
feeling like I had to rise and be so exceptional versus I just had to be myself. Mm. And um, that was profound. And it was very helpful because then it brought me right back to my conviction about educators. Yep. You know, we are living in a time where the mainstream media, mainstream society wants you to think that educators do not have strength, that we do not have hope, that we are leaving the profession in droves. Um, Some of those things numerically may be true. However, my experience has been the polar opposite. And so it makes me question that mainstream narrative because I don't think it's the truth. I think what we're not talking about is the systems that make it so difficult for teachers to teach that they leave because they can't teach. Yep. That, that's, it's that simple. And yeah. so I remember I was addressing the 2022 state teachers of the year. Um, and I turned to them and I said, look, this year's gonna have incredible challenges and you are looking at the people who are gonna walk with you through those challenges. So the other thing I learned was the power of community on this whole nother level. Walking this year with the 2021 State Teachers of the Year was profound. And I don't think I've told you or very many State Teachers of the Year from my cohort this, but in that speech, I talked about what it meant to have people believe in you and you not have that same belief in yourself. The audacity of that love not coming through your confidence. And so this was the time to allow the love other people have for you, the confidence, the belief that they have in in and about you to shine through your work. Um, and so I don't know if I answered your question, Kevin, but I know that I've rambled for quite some time. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a year and I, I kind of laughed a little bit because we had a, a kind of a wrap up with the CCSSO team that did an incredible job of supporting me this whole year and walking with me the entire year. And they're like, well, we just want you to understand that this isn't a one-year thing. <laughs> It's actually more like a two-year thing. It really is like a lifetime thing. Yep. And I was like, oh, right, right. Yes, sign me up. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready, but sign me up. <laughs> you never get out of it. You never get out. <laughs> I, think, I think, though, like, I think that, um, you know, I, I nearly collapsed in joy when they announced you, Juliana, because, and, and this is nothing against the other three amazing finalists from our year, um, Sunshine, Maureen, Ale, like those guys, like such, I mean, the four of you were just such an amazing team, but I think that the way that you engaged everybody and the way that you, like, you really were able to connect with them. Like, I, I remember being at space camp and feeling like the, the entire, like, the entire building could collapse around us and you wouldn't waver from a conversation that you were having because the attention that you put on people is so authentic and so profound and so real. And I think that in a way, like as this forever 2021 national teacher of the year, you, you are emblematic of what we are as, as a cohort, like everything that we are, you are, and that, and it made you such a great representative, you know, of, of that time for us. Um, uh, you know, this, this, it's been pretty interesting because when you talk about systems, um, systems are upheld by people, right? And that's the thing that's been on my mind a lot is, you know, especially as I face transition in my professional work. Um, I've always found a big gulf between the joy I experience with students and the systemic decay that we see in a lot of spaces. How do we bridge that gap? How do we put, so, so I, heard, I heard something that broke my heart the other day um, saying that someone said, not every teacher wants to lead, right? And to me, it was sad, not because I think every principal should, every teacher should wanna be a principal. That's not why it made me sad. It made me sad because we've created this idea of leadership among teachers as being radical and defined as one thing. And so I, I do think that as a profession, we have a responsibility, you know, whether we choose to make our primary work in classrooms with students or in other spaces, we have a responsibility to meet the moment and to maybe kind of build that bridge between what we do in, in community and what we do 
systemically how but how how do you feel we can approach that kind of gap that exists I think you brought that up about how not every teacher thinks that they can lead look every teacher does lead from their classroom daily (laughs) (laughs) not a choice you do it And, and then it's it's I think that one of the things that would really improve overall satisfaction and efficiency and effectiveness of educators is allowing us to have these roles that are hybrid that we grow into, right? Like allowing us a dignified measurement of the day, right? Like some of your day is going to be for leadership where you, you really like developing curriculum, you code develop curriculum with teachers on your campus. Part of your day, you really like um, doing work with school partnership, cool. And then part of your day is teaching or however that works, we do not have a system that allows teachers to grow into systems. So then we start to- And that's, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like when we think about Mm -hmm. teacher preparation, that that period of growth is, is increasingly being compacted. It's like, well, now you have this amount of time, but well, now you have this amount of time. Well, now you better come in and be able to engage <laughs> transformative data-driven instruction because we have things that need to be shown by October. And uh, I'm so glad you said that. We, we have a system that doesn't allow, I, the only reason I made it is because I don't get things right the first 12 times. And so, and Kevin, you missed the amazing experience of Juliana, like being my special educator at Space Camp. I was having the worst time building a model rocket. And, you know, she was really great. She was really great taking me step by Helping step. Helping you. And, uh, and then Korsha kept me, um, kept me accountable. Um, and so, but, but when I think about, I'm glad you, you need, you need, sometimes, you, you know, we need, I shouldn't say you, we need our team. Oh, you can say me. You can we say need me. our teams. No, no I mean, we all need our teams. In real talk, the only reason I stayed in education was because my first principal told me, you're not going to be good at this right away. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're going to have things that you're just going to be embarrassed about. And that's okay. You're not like, you are 22 years old. It is fine. It is fine. <laughs> fine, you are going to get better. And I had years to hone my craft. So sorry, I, I got really excited about what you said, Juliana, and because it's so true. It's like you need this time to grow into things. Yeah. Urgency is a dangerous thing when we don't have just systems. Um, so yes, I definitely agree. In fact, uh, not too long ago, I did a presentation for early career teachers first through third year, I believe. And with my friend, uh, we acted out the impatient caterpillar, which is the story of a little caterpillar who has a hard time waiting through the whole metamorphosis process. Um, and reminds me very much of a lot of my students and of myself. And we acted out the whole uh, storybook in hopes that we would communicate just what you said, Hedato. You can't do it all. And you can't do it all, all at once. And asking yourself to do that is not holding true to what we believe about learning. Learning is step-by-step. Learning is contextualized in your community, in your experiences, in your identity. And those things are forever morphing. So learning is not something that always happens quickly. And teachers are forever learners. You know, like if you open up the national board, um, what teachers should be able to do, you know and do, you would see the phrase lifelong learner repeated so much. Teachers have the right to be lifelong learners. So, but what I have noticed, because sometimes I get so overwhelmed thinking of school systems (coughs) being so vast and invisible and like, I don't know where to start. I think with one of the places we start is with um, administration and school leadership, like building leadership. Teachers are the number one determinant of success for their students and our principals are the number one for us. Look at schools that have a principal who gets it, who does teacher voice, who knows how to balance all of these goofy policies and like letting kids play and make sure that there's a PE teacher and an art teacher yeah. and a librarian and yeah. counsel, you know, look at those schools. Those schools are not losing teachers. Those schools are teachers where teachers who do want to explore leadership within and outside of their their classroom get to do it those are the schools where the principals figure it out who's first of all who's checking and rewarding those principals somebody should be checking in on those principals because i'm sure they're very tired and if we feel thankless yep i i hope that they're okay 
Um, and number two is I have no patience for principals who don't get that and don't do that. You, we want to fix the school systems, start there. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't have it, give them a mentor, give them some time. Otherwise, let's let's put somebody else in that position. Yeah. That's right. right. Um, because that is the number one thing. And I myself experienced that throughout my career. Right. Like I had I've had a spectrum of principles and I know what it's like when you have a principal who gets it. Um, so that's what I think is number one, because that's actually within our wheelhouse of immediate control and immediate impact. I get overwhelmed thinking of like the policy that's this marathon that I'm not sure I know how to run, um, but I do know how to sprint and I do know how to think globally, but act glo locally. Um, yep. And that's also a huge part of this fighting with joy. And I'm not even going to say it's fighting, Gerardo. I know that me and you have different energies in how we approach this. I wouldn't say it's fighting. It's creating. It's mm -hmm. dreaming and believing we can build these things. Yeah. 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 Like stuff sink in. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got to marinate. No, Got to marinate. This is great. No, this, this is, this is the first time ever, folks. I'm taking over as host. That's it. Do it. That's has it. been marked speechless. <laughs> if you have a chime, can you insert something in post-media production? July <laughs> can, We'll just say stay tuned for something that's never happened. I have a repu I have a reputation <laughs> to uphold and I edit the episodes. I just want to point that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, no, that's that that's profound. And and I think that when when you talk about like as as you were as you were speaking, I, I think about how learning doesn't stop, and yet the way we measure learning has a beginning point and an end point that are nonsensical and random. It's like learning doesn't begin when you take the standardized test and end when you get the results. And even if it did, <laughs> by the time you get the results, you can't do That's it. Does, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, but I also think this idea of immediate control and impact really does merge with a lot of my own thinking, which is, you know, what are the things that I do have control over and what are the, what are my points of influence and what, what can't I control? Um, and as That's I right. sort of think about the things that we can do in community, I'm actually realizing there's not a lot I can't control, you know, because if, if I want to have a conversation with Oh, I don't know the secretary of education who I've talked to like three different times. And he was on our show. Like I know channels to go through, you know, to try to make that happen. And so, I mean, I think, I think that when you start really winnowing down, what is it that we have control over and what we don't, um, then I think that is really encouraging. Um, and, and then the, the other thing I was going to say is that, um, when it comes to when it comes to systems, I, I I definitely like I said before, systems are upheld or disrupted by individuals, and so what we do is we as we get with each other and as we hear from each other and we have Paulo Freire rocks talks about um, having the courage to listen to a differing point of view and to humanize that point of view and understand a person's point of view comes from lived experiences. Um, that's where real transformation can happen. Um, and just like everybody on this call, I've had principals who have, who have been phenomenal. And then I've had principals who, um, who engaged in actions that made no sense to me that just from a humanizing perspective, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you make that choice? <laughs> um, it, it baffles the imagination. And I, and I, and I think you're right. I think there is that 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 support and that understanding, that deep understanding of what you're responsible for. There, I recover from my speechlessness. There, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, and I I love the points, Juliana, about about giving space to like learn and grow and develop. Like everything you're talking about is like, I'm like, that's really what it is. And I always ask myself, I sit there at work all the time for I'm like, what are we even doing here? What, what are we doing? What, what is education? Like, what does this mean? Like, because there's so much encompassed in it all. And, and it really is like that lifelong processing of, of just thought and being and, and finding your way to interact and how you're going to interact with the world. Right. And I think that's what we want for our students. That's what I think I'd hope strong principals, superintendents, you know, uh, 
want for their teachers, right? Because that that's like the critical part, the self-actualization as a teacher. And I'm thinking, you know, I just finished up year 17 and, and, and you, and so much of it, you, you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Is that right? Is that right? You're like, look, I've been doing this for 17 years and other people like fall out right off the bat. Right. So there's something that's working for me and it might not look the same. And I think we do that too. We, we, we get into comparing ourselves to each other. Right. And it's like, just because you do it that way, doesn't mean I got to do it that way. And I can relate because, um, I took over a class that Gerardo was like known as the Yoda, uh, teacher of the master. Like he's like, Kids would talk about, I'd sit in senior presentation, they'd be like, and I had world history with Mr. Munoz and, and the world changed for me, you know, like, like it, it's beautiful. Right. And so like, I had to come to terms with myself and say, okay, I'm not Mr. Munoz, I'm Mr. Adams, and I'm going to do it my way and, and, and have kids develop these same experiences and it'll be my way. Right. But, but. And, it was. and we're going to build on each other. We're going to support each other. Like when I had questions and I was like, hey, how about this? And he was great because he'd help because he was my leader. Right. And he goes back to that thing where we have a system in our school district that allows teachers that time to actually shift to a leadership role and to critique and, and help grow their practice. And, and we both served in those positions in our schools. And I think it's one of the things that caused me to grow as an educator more than anything. Yeah. And so, like, I think when you give educators responsibility, autonomy, respect, we run with it. Yeah. Thank you. Teachers oh. need to be the ones designing all of this. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You want me Will to care you? about it? Let me yes. let me really build the thing that I'm trying to build. Yeah. Yep. You know, one of the things I tell people, especially when I'm in policy spaces, is I say, go find five to 10 teacher leaders, people who will like self-proclaim the teacher leaders yep. and ask them, are you staying next year? And have a conversation, why yes or why yes or no, and do something about it. Because those are the pulse of the wellness of your teaching um, staff, you know, Korsha Hassan, our Minnesota 2021 Teacher of the Year, she's, you know, very publicly just left the classroom and one of her lines will sting and drive me forever. She said there were so many needs and not enough of anything. Yep. And I think that that so perfectly captures the heartache that teachers have right now. And it's not our job to design policy, we're teaching. It's our job to echo and chamber out what we need and stay very firm on that and keep teaching, right? And policy has all the policy people, right? They have a, a charge to design the policy based on that. And also not design policy based, like, okay, let me pause real quick. You know, in your classroom, you have a couple of the kids who do a couple of the things that drive you crazy as an educator. And so you build policy in your classroom around those couple of kids, not doing those couple of things yep. that drive you crazy. That's right. And before That's right. you know it, your entire classroom is designed around those couple kids. And instead of designing spaces for those kids to have outlets for that energy or heal whatever is underneath all of that, you've punished all the other kids because of that. And you haven't built the human connection to really hit root causes, right? It's the same thing with policy. Stop making policy for the teachers who aren't being effective in their classroom That's for fair. all teachers. You are limiting our creativity. You are limiting our vivaciousness. You are limiting our ability to show up by enforcing policy for the couple, you know, whatever percentage of small teachers who aren't doing what they need to do. Let's give those teachers support and mentorship and accountability. And then let's let all teachers teach, right? Yeah. And I think that this is all something that we, we know feeds morale for teachers and, and our students depend on us having good morale. Our future, the future of our profession depends on us having good morale, right? Like if as a brown and black child, I grew up seeing all of my teachers unhappy yep. and tired yep. and mistreated. Yep. Yeah. And I myself may not have had the best experiences in public education. You better believe that's the last place I'm going to be. That's right. So we, the three of us can't be 
you know, outliers. I, I, I love that point that you just made. I'm on our district bargaining team and it feels like everything we have to do has to be a fight. And it's like, this is just what we're saying would make our lives better. And it's not always about money. It's about just hearing the voice, right? It, because, and we and we're talking about how do we get more black and brown and, and it always, you know, and I hear my students and we've all heard our students say, I'd never be a teacher. Uh, work with these badass kids, <laughs> do all this and put up with this and and that and 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 again, like, I think it's so important that we keep keep our morale up, right? And and that we can, and I think that's something I strive to do. Like in my building is is like, yo, we got this. Let's like and not not toxic positivity, but you know, this is the work and 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 rejoice in the work because, like you said, it's joyous, it's fun. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's touching the future. Yeah. I have a, you know, um, it's interesting because you'll hear policymakers um, and other folks who have never spent a day in front of kids say, well, you know, there are good teachers and there are bad teachers. And my counter to that is how do you know? We've, we've never actually made this profession equitable. We've never made this profession sustainable. We've never adequately supported public school teachers anywhere. So how do you know who's good and who's bad? What we do have, in my opinion, is we have a teaching core that 100% of teachers are doing the best that they can. And there are some teachers that have a higher floor, and there are some teachers that have a lower ceiling. But, you know, and especially Kevin and I are in the, we're, we're the proudly uh, 49th ranked state in school funding and teacher compensation. Good for Race us. Race to the bottom. We are, <laughs> we are racing to the bottom. Um, and so that's particularly a conversation in Colorado is like, well, so how do you even know? How do you pretend to pass judgment? What you are judging is teachers' ability to survive, right? You're not teaching. You're not testing. You're not looking at our ability to thrive and actually become the best teacher that we want to be and the, you know, and the best teacher we can be. So um, we, we don't want to take up the rest of your day. I mean, we do, but we, I mean, we can hang out with you all day. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, so when, you know, I, I feel that this conversation about having teacher voice in all these spaces, whether it's just, whether it's in your classroom or whether it's at the district level or whether it's, you know, in, in policy spaces, the issue of having that voice hits teachers of color even harder. Um, when black and brown teachers leave their spaces, there tends to be a larger impact. And I, and I can say um, part of what informed my decision to leave the Denver Center for International Studies, where uh, I went, I, I grew up as a teacher, like I got in there as, as a pretty, still pretty naive teacher, and, and I'm coming out um, a completely different person. Part of what made me comfortable leaving is that there are people like Kevin there. And there are people like some of the other teachers that we work with, teachers of color that we work with who are there. And an another generation of folks uh, coming up, you know, these, these millennial teachers and these older Gen Z teachers who are really like bringing some fire, like that made me feel a little bit better about leaving. And I, and I will also say to, to any policy people listening to this, we are starting to see the canary in the coal mine for what could be an even worse teacher shortage if you don't act. Um, the teacher ed, teacher prep programs across the country are under-enrolled right now. Like, so we're talking about undergraduates and early grad students are not opting into teacher prep programs. So something needs to be done from policy spaces and at the district level um, to ensure that this is a profession that people choose. Um, and we can be out here talking about how, I mean, teaching made me a human being. Um, and, uh, you know, we can sit here and tell our stories, but, but if there aren't concrete actions to ensure that it works, um, it won't. Um, so when we talk about these times of transition, Juliana, um, you, you indicated that you are right now, you're, you're in Arizona. Um, would you like to tell the people what is next for the 2021 National Teacher of the Year, Juliana Ortube? Yes. Um, well, um, look, it, none of these decisions that we make as educators are ever easy. Um, and you have to take a deep dive of like what is best for you personally. 
what's going to give you the sustenance to navigate these waters? Um, for me, it was my family. I grew up in Phoenix. I went to school in Tucson. Um, I love Arizona. I uh, got my start here. And funny enough, I left Arizona, not just because of this proposition, but there was a Proposition 203 that mm -hmm. um, was English only. And it was a you know, very perplexing and very challenging for me as a bilingual special education teacher. Um, and uh, Where I came do I back. Fit? Where do I fit here? <laughs> yeah. I came back every year to visit my family and this and that and started to see more dual language schools, started to see more programming centered around this idea of linguistically giftedness and um, harnessing and preserving. Um, the other thing I love about Arizona is the, the amount of native folks that are present in everyday life in Arizona. And I think that this is also a huge work um, I, of making sure you know, native folks have what they need um, in terms of our public education system. And so for me, the, the move from Nevada to Arizona was not something I took lightly, um, but I needed to be close to family. I needed to be close to family to be able to sustain the kind of work that I wanna do. And so um, I think the people are everything. And so leaving Nevada, the hardest thing about leaving Nevada is leaving my colleagues is leaving people who are doing incredible work. And um, one of the things that I have noticed about the times that we're in is that even if you're not in a, a place, you can still be participatory in the growth and the work that's happening. And so that is my full intention is to stay connected to Nevada and the work that Nevada is doing. You know, I count myself very fortunate. I had incredible support, not just from our state superintendent, but our governor and so many people in Nevada. And so that will always, you know, our tagline is Nevada means home. So Nevada will always be home and I will always be the Nevada 2021 National Te or State Teacher of the Year and the first teacher from our state. Um, and I'm so grateful for that having been my home. But yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be living in Arizona and my work is going to center around teacher leadership. It's going to be a hybrid job where part of my time is in different schools, supporting teachers, supporting students. Part of it is going to be supporting students, um, Native American students, Indigenous students. Part of it's going to be policy. Part of it, it's just going to be very, um, it's going to hit a lot of different layers. But what I want and need for my practice right now is locality. I need a local piece of work that I get to see people every single day. I get to build community again. I think the, the number one most difficult thing about being National Teacher of the Year is not having to talk live on CNN, even though that might be like two or three. Mm -hmm. The number one thing is not being in your school community every yeah. single day. Yeah, yeah. Those hugs, the kindergartners, you know, telling you you look beautiful. <laughs> the colleagues' faces when you bring in donuts, you know, things like that. Those yeah. are the things that were the toughest for me to, so I'm looking to, to get, get that back. That's beautiful. That's no, and the, that, that's, that's the thing is those, um, those ongoing relationships, right. That you're not just in one city for a finite amount of time. And people probably say really amazing things to you. And then you may never see that person again. You may never authentically connect with that person again. That sounds dope. That sounds amazing. We'll, we'll have to, uh, do some cross-state collaboration because I think some of my work next year might actually be really similar to some of your work. So that'd be really dope. Um, congratulations. So awesome. Thanks. Thank Very you. Y'all can't see me, but I'm blushing over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's amazing. So you heard it here for, first, folks. You heard it here. Juliana is going home. And that's it. To be in every sense of the word. That's amazing. All right. We're going to get you out of here. Um, but we have a thing that we like to do, um, that Kevin's going to tell you about. Yes. Yes. As with, you with know, the, with the spin. Kevin, did you, as, as, as someone who's been here before, you know, that we, we, we have a, our, our question it's, um, I call it our James Lipton question, which Gerardo's never understands what I mean. I sort of do. <laughs> I, I... I'm going to apply a critical lens it's, to it. It's, it's all right. We're going to let it go. <laughs> We're going to move on. 
But uh, since you've answered four top five rappers or artists, and we try to be non-hierarchical, we're, we're going to go with a, another thing. We're going to borrow from Habitually Disruptive. If you haven't checked it out, get on it, get folks. On. But on. but we'll go with your top five anything. That's all right. right. So top no, but, five. But all the, same, all the same rules apply, though, right, Kev? All the same rules. So you could have, you could have, Three top, uh, three number one top five anythings. You could have, you know, additional list. You can do whatever you want with this. But what we want to know is top five anything. Yeah, and you know, we it just we, sounds we, fun asking. You'll, you'll, it. What's your you'll, top five anything? <laughs> you you'll appreciate the Eric Hale rule, which is that you can combine as many. So when Eric did his top five, when he was on the show, we think he probably had between 14 and 16 rappers on it. Um, because he's like, well, I have a three-way tie for third and a nine-way tie for, but if it was a top 20, it would be, you know, so, uh, so we, we, the Eric Hale rule is in full effect right here. So, and you've had a little bit of time to think about this, Juliana. Um, what's your top five, anything? Well, I mean, I did have a top hip hip hop. So I think that I uh, have learned a thing or two about this podcast. If you want to know my top five for hip hop, you got to go check out the other podcast. Yeah, that's right. You have to go back. You have to go back. You got to go back. Got to go back. Wait, wait, the most downloaded episode in the history of two dope teachers in a mic. No, for real. It's it's absolutely true. Like, absolutely true. I'm not going to tell you who you beat out because that's just embarrassing for them um, because they're like, dang. Dang, I didn't win. Um, but yeah, the most downloaded episode in the history of Two Dope Teachers in a Mic since 2016. There we go. Uh, wow. Episode That's 82 big. with Juliana, I think. Okay, so yes. Okay, here's the yes. blushing. So, so don't Yet question. Again, I'm blushing again. Yeah, don't Thank question Huli's like hip hop credentials. She she she's been there, did that. Um, yep. And so. <laughs> So here we go. Well, let me tell you this: the the podcast you all did with Sarah Brown Wesley that got me through some dark days, and I know oh. other teachers that that got through some dark days. We would tell each other like just one step at a time. If you it don't know really what I'm talking good. about, go check that one. Go out. check it out. Yeah, and and then you and then you to- told me to go check out my own podcast when I was struggling. <laughs> struggling. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, okay, oh yeah. So okay, Somebody... Isaac, remember when you um talked about taking it one step at a time? <laughs> we need to be mirrors to each other and sometimes that tough love is what we need right I that's need right that time Shut up. okay so i don't know if you all know but my nickname is miss earth yes, you know my last yes. name is today the kids yes. very sweetly and cutely called me miss earth today and then just eventually miss earth mm-hmm. um i think it's probably one of the most prestigious honors of my career getting that nickname I love so it. i think that one of the things that i love the most is the simplicity of gardening and how it connects you to what you need to learn right? Like our compost bin had a sign over it that said, celebrate your successes, compost your failures, right? Yep. Growth yep. mindset, learn yep. from your mistakes. Love that. Failing forward, which I don't really know if I use that phrase myself, but that's kind of the gist of it, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes some people just need connection to quiet and solitude, process their own feelings, right? The garden provides, land provides. Um, I remember I was in the garden one time with my students and I said, go find something that's the same tonality of your skin. I was just trying to do like a quick yep. warm up. I hadn't really yeah. thought about it, but I had this idea because I constantly hear this idea. Somos los del color de la tierra. We yeah. are the ones of the colored of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and every single student found something that matched their tonality. And I just remember being like, oh, this is belonging. I love okay, that. So my top five things are my favorite herbs to use yes, herb. um, and plant and uh, use them medicinally. Um, and so in no particular order, um, mint, you know, you have an upset stomach, you're nervous, Yes. smell some mint, chew on some mint, you got a zit, put some mint on it. Is that you right? Got a headache, for real. Here we go. Yeah. Knowledge. You, you got a headache, put a tiny drop on each one of your temples. Don't cross, when you put the drop over your temples, don't cross over your eyes because you'll burn your eyes. Yeah. You know, just a tiny drop. Mint goes, is beautiful. Um, one of my favorite flowers is calendula. Um, and that one, if you use calendula salve, or if, even if you take the flower and you like use a mortal and you just chop it up, it mm-hmm. is great for burns, bruises, mm-hmm. scars, 
this one here. Yeah, put some on that. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, manzanilla or chamomile is yes. um, what I take when your stomach hurts, but it's not really your stomach. It's like the soul behind your stomach hurting. Mm, the soul behind mm. your stomach. Yeah. yeah. Um, romero or rosemary awakens the senses, right? Like, oh, you're having like a day you just can't get anything right. Yeah. Go smell some rosemary. Mm. You, your house doesn't feel right. Like you feel like you've got some nasty energy in there. Boil some rosemary. Really? Okay. Clear it out. Go. Rosemary. Go. All right. All right. And then the last one is canela. Canela is the only one on this list that I haven't been able to grow in my Game garden. Canela is not technically an herb. It's bark, but yep. We, yep. you know, it's fine. You got some sinus issues. You got some drainage. You got some blockage. Drink some canela. Um, and so I love our canela cinnamon. Sorry, by the way. For yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> linguistically gifted like me. Um, <laughs> canela, canela is all of these things just help us. All these herbs just help us feel grounded. They help us connect back to ourselves. I've used these herbs with my students. I've been taught a lot about these herbs through my, with for my students' families. Um, and I just, I always have them at like my go bag. And for my, in fact, I get made fun of by my friends. Like something happens, an ailment happens. And I'm like, hold on, let me go in my purse and rub some calendula on them. In fact, I was with Nicole Butler, Oregon yeah. teacher of the year, and she got sunburned. And I was like, girl, I got you. And I just got slathered her. And then I sent her a bottle to home. Uh, you can't be getting burned. Take care you. of the skin. So yeah, it's I my way that. of taking care of myself and others. I love that. It's a great that. top five. That's a great talk. Yeah. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago, um, I had the chance to go to Maine with um, with our friend Cindy Soul and our other friend, Elisa Cooper de Oribe from New Mexico. And one of the amazing things we got to do with um, with the imminent Jennifer Neptune was a plant walk on Sugar Island and uh, learning about you know, some of the edible, uh, edible plants that grow in the wild, the medicinal stuff, like it's, it's amazing stuff. So, so this is resonating really deeply with me personally. This is incredible, Gerardo, because I just a few days ago started um, a book that features Sugar Island. Is it the well, Sweetgrass book? No, it's um, the fire, the fire keeper's daughter. No way. Okay. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. I mean, literally like two days ago. That's, and that's funny. Wow. Yes. There we go. Everyone, I bring it full circle. I'm reading Leslie Marmon Silko's Almanac of the Dead, which takes place primarily in Tucson. There <laughs> so there, there we you go. go. We're and always connected. We are always, always connected. I love always. it. All righty. Kev, uh, comments on the top five? I mean, I love it. You know, I, I love working in the garden. I think reconnecting, understanding uh, plant science is like really important and and how that these things can heal us and help us, you know, get through the challenges that we have. I, I think it's a deeper reconnection, which I could probably spend all day talking to you about that. Hui. But uh, that I love it. I love it. And I, I want to, you know, I, you guys gave me some ideas of what to plant next summer. Yeah. Well, uh, Juliana, thank you so much for joining us on Two Dope Teachers and a mic for your first podcast appearance um, at the conclusion of your formal term as uh, Teacher of the Year. So just amazing to have you here today. My yes. first interview, my first, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I have to tell you all that I'm really grateful for the work that you do. Um, you all don't have a clue of how much impact you've made, right? You don't know what teachers do after they listen to your podcast and how they carry those words of wisdom, those words of reflection with them. Um, I think you all have probably kept quite a few teachers in the classroom um, and helped sustain their practice. So I think that we owe you as audience members a lot of gratitude. And thank you all for helping me feel brave. I, so my last um, formal engagement at, was at ISTE in, where were we? Oh my goodness. New Orleans, we were in New Orleans. And I, I was talking to John Arthur about this and I was like, John, I have this idea. Um, I wanna do the Obama mic drop as like my last slide. <laughs> so I started the presentation with the, the gif of o o Obama dropping his yep. mic. And I'm like, look folks, this is my last one. Be patient with me. There's all sorts of feelings. Yeah. And then the last slide came up and I said, Miss Earth out. And I dropped the microphone and I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I was thinking about you all with that microphone. <laughs> uh, you and love like, it. Yep. 
I love it. So lots of love and gratitude to you both and to all the teachers who are listening. You're not alone. We hear you. We love you. Keep doing it. Stay connected. You know, all the good things. Yeah. It's all the good things, right? Uh, so for our 2021 Forever National Teacher of the Year, Juliano Ortube, for the brilliant and powerful Kevin Adams, I am merely Gerardo de Munoz, and I'm inviting you, we Bye. are inviting you on a, <laughs> on a Tuesday, on a hot day to stay cool, stay refreshed, stay positive, stay optimistic, stay joyful, and above all, oh wait, this is when we do it all together, right? Yes. And above all, you want, so you have to say, say, stay dope when I cue you. All right. Stay what? Stay dope. Oh, stay dope. When I cue you. So, yeah, yeah. When I, I, yet, though, I, I stay yet, dope. dope. So, I That's say, right. so I say, stay engaged, stay connected, stay building community, stay revolutionary. And above all, make sure you always stay, stay dope. dope.